broadcasting from a little liberal town known in Madison, Wisconsin. This is the Sauce Report. And your host today, Sauslin Timison. Are you interested in investing today? Or maybe investing for your future? I sure am. When I found out about this wonderful service that they could help me invest for my future, I, I went on this public investing uh, website, which is an investing firm out of New York. They have done a fantastic job in building my portfolio, which is very diversified. And now that, but they will also help you. You are more than welcome to click on the link below and it will bring you to uh, the public investment site where you get to sign up today and you get one free stock of any of your choice. I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a deal. If you want to, again, to maybe look into it, that's publicinvestment.com where they will explain and answer any questions you have. And that is what is brought to you by today on the Sauce Report. Remember to keep it saucy. Bye. Well, hello and welcome to the Sauce Report. I just want to tell you, it feels awesome being back. It feels great just being back behind the mic, and it has been a week. And you can say a month. A lot has happened in my life, and a lot has happened where I was busy, my life was busy. And the awesome part is, is that this is a very exclusive interview, or just not just a quick update, because this past week, I was able to attend Eight Days of Hope, which is a Christian organization that goes in after a natural disaster hits. And they go in right away. There's three steps to it. There's a rapid response team, and there's a community, or there's a rebuild, and there's a community rebuild. The community rebuild is the third stage where it's kind of like they're rebuilding houses and they're kind of fixing things up, touching things up, and that rebuild, the uh, impact rebuild, is what happens. Where shortly after the rapid response crew comes in, about a month or two, or about even about eight months, then does the rebuild comes in, and it was absolutely a blessing. That started on May nineteenth, you can say, or it might have been May May nineteenth. Sounds like a, that sounds like familiar, and I definitely can tell you. This episode, I am going to love this episode because you wouldn't believe the amount of people I've met. And it all started off at baggage claim. So you might wonder, why would the baggage claim uh, title, baggage main question mark, baggage claim? First of all, my journey started, and this is going to be a multiple part series, and it's going to be a very fun fireside conversation. And I'm just going to tell you about my experience. But one thing is, is that eight days of hope, my flight left at 6.45 in the morning. Now, it no, it was, we boarded at 6.45, but we departed at 7.30. And it was very interesting because I stayed at the Crown Plaza at the hotel, uh, which is at the, by Milwaukee International Airport. The day starts off getting up, I got up around... 4.30, yeah, 4.30 in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, I found out, and the funny part is, is that 
I, well, I somewhat got up at 4.30. I didn't really sleep well that night because I had uh, situations that came about and I had to take care of some business. So I already was, I mean, drained enough. So I pretty much got as much sleep as I can. I woke up, you know, if you feel like you wake up one time and you feel like you got no sleep, that's how I felt. And I'm like, all right, the only thing that's going to keep me running is pure adrenaline because I was looking forward to what Eight Days of Hope had to bring about, what I was looking forward to, and I was excited. I was enthusiastic. So I got checked out my hotel room, I think around 5, 5.15. Uh, we went to the hotel, or we went to the airport. The drive was very interesting. Somebody spilled coffee on my shorts, and I was like, well, good morning. It was, you know, if I was awake then, I was awake now. And the cool thing is, is that <clears throat> I had TSA pre-check and I also had clear. So now what a lot, what people think of clear is, is that you have two options. You either can do a fingerprint or you can take off your glasses if you have glasses and it takes a picture of your skies or of your eyes. I'm sorry about that. It takes pictures of your eyes and it goes through a database and uh, it's a faster way through, of getting through TSA pre-check and it's a faster way. I would highly recommend that, by the way. If you travel a lot, <clears throat> Clear and TSA PreCheck are will be your best friends. So I went through in Concourse C, and I got to meet. I mean, it was a little bit. I was not. I didn't really talk to many people. Um, I turned on my music, and I have a Spotify, and I listened to Abba Father, um, a, a bunch of Christian songs. And we boarded our flight. It was to Baltimore. And we were projected to land, I think, at 9.30 a.m. So we landed. That flight was uh, it was a little bit tiring. Um, I actually sat in the back of the plane for the first time. Uh, a very, very, very back. Um, that was interesting. Uh, flying Southwest was very interesting indeed. Uh, I love the way they go about it. The, all if you're ever gonna fly, don't worry about like the you know you're gonna have prices on Southwest. You're gonna have a want to get away, a business or elite and stuff. Don't worry about that because they're all this. You get all the same class. The seats are the same. They're all the same distance from each other. So there's no point. So if you're ever gonna fly Southwest, buy their want to get away, the cheapest price, and all you have to do is just check in early. And it's funny because when you board the plane, I find this to be interesting. If you, if you, one of the interesting parts is that the aisle, the middle seat is, tends to be always open because the first two seats that are taken up is a window seat and the aisle. And then somehow you have to be the odd person in to take in the middle person, middle aisle. And I definitely can tell you, I was not going to take the middle aisle seat. Because you are squished in between people. And if you even dare sleep, you can't like lean on somebody's shoulder because that'd be a little bit weird. And either goes either way. And then you have to ask people to stand up. And you and if a person, if you don't know the person, they might get irritated. So on Southwest, I typically take the aisle seat because I have to use the restroom a lot. And, and plus, I like a little bit extra room. And, you know, if you have to stretch out your legs, you can just stretch it on the aisle. So we took off, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, the best part about taking off is like the, the taking off part. You get to launch up, and you get to fly. And 
Uh, we didn't really get much of a sun sunrise um, because the sun was already risen. The flight was a longer flight than expected. And it was also interesting because I flew down. <clears throat> uh, we landed and I had about a six hour layover in Baltimore. That's that layover I found out right away. Found out where my gate was. It was I landed at Concourse C, C eighteen, and I had to whip on over to Concourse B. Now I was kind of strolling around at the airport at Baltimore BWI. I was kind of strolling around, kind of bored, and I was starting getting very tired really, really quick. So if you ever on Concourse B in Baltimore, you there's this kind of slope. And what happened is I finally laid on top of the windowsill because the windowsill is enough for people to sit. And it's like just one big, long area. And I sat there and I just slept. And I slept for a couple hours. Was it the best sleep? Probably not. But did it get through? Did it get through my day? Yes. And and it got through the rest of the day that I needed. I, of course, I could have, of course, I needed sleep, a lot more sleep because I because sleeping on the plane for me just doesn't work because you have the turbulence and all that but when you when you're a light sleeper any littlest things wake you up the dings the bells the the phones going off on the plane uh, the pilot communication door opening toilet flushing and then people next door because somebody forgot to bring their headphones so they think it's a good idea to play a movie without headphones and the littlest things in life. And plus you have the conversation. So it's pretty hard to sleep on the plane. Unless if you take NyQuil or some kind of melatonin while you're flying. But it doesn't pay off very well. So at Baltimore, I got up around 11 o'clock. And I was actually going to go and sightsee around Baltimore. But I was too tired to do that. And um, and then I went to get Chinese food at, at BWI. And I sat down, looked over my emails, looked over... Uh, p- any people I needed to contact, and it was I was very productive during that time. And they are doing construction from gate one a to I think gate a gate a I think three. It's one big, one big uh, construction, and it's like a, a multi floor level. It's it's very confusing, but they are adding baggage, extra baggage claim area. They're adding expanding onto the airport, and it was very fun to see. By the way, it was awesome. And we got, as the time started nearing, I got to go to the air, I got to go to my gate, which was B6. And we got there and I was like trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? I mean, what do I do when I land? Is somebody going to pick me up or what's going to happen? Is there like, who do I communicate with? Or I, I had a whole bunch of questions running through my head. And I met an individual, she was, a, uh, she's now a full-time staff at uh, with eight days of hope, and I was able to s- and just ask her questions to see what's all about, and you know it was interesting because the plane wasn't really that full, and I was like the plane flight from Baltimore to Fort Myers really wasn't that full, so it gave me an opportunity to think. It gave me an opportunity to lament, and all I could think about was I can't wait till actually see what what actually goes on i heard a lot about it going through their social media page and i'm like that's gonna be interesting it's gonna be fun that flight took a lot longer from baltimore to fort myers than i expected i thought i slept 30 minutes which i did and i woke up and kind of just walked around and 
was just chewing my gum. And I highly recommend also chewing mint gum if you're ever going to fly. Because it's, uh, you get to pop your ears multiple times and it's very easy. And we finally land. That landing, it was a little bit of slick landing. And we get off the plane. And boy, does the heat, the heat wave hit me like a rock. And that, I felt a brand new exhaustion like I've never felt before. So I thought to myself, how can people live in Florida? I mean, how can they? And it was it was very interesting because I was trying to figure out, okay, I had to go to the bathroom right away. And I was like, okay, how do I communicate? How do I route myself through Fort Myers International Airport? It actually really isn't that big of an airport. It's actually a lot smaller than I thought it would be. So then here comes the baggage claim. I went up to this random individual. His name is Andy. And Andy was wearing a Bruce Brinstings sweatshirt. And I went up to him randomly and it was he was a random individual. And now the ironic part is we're really not the ironic, but what it is a blessing is we are really good friends to this very day. It only took us eight days. And I believe that this is a complete God moment. And I asked him, I'm like, are you with eight days of hope perhaps? And he's like, I actually I am. I am with eight days of hope. And I'm like, do you know what to do? I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to do. I need your help. Like, uh, how are you getting there? Are you staying there? Or something. A, a bunch of million questions were coming out of, my, uh, out of my head. And he's like, well, I don't know what to do. We're all in the same place. I got to ride. Let's see where it goes on. And I apparently I definitely underpacked. Um, I overpacked my clothes, but underpacked by not bringing an airbag. Or air mattress. Sorry about that. Air mattress, blankets. I forgot to pack all that. Those are the key essential items. If you're going to volunteer with Eight Days of Hope, is bring air mattress, your own toiletries such as um, a towel. Yep, your towel, face wash, and hand towel. Two bottles of toothpaste, and a blanket or sleeping bag depends which one you prefer, and definitely work boots. Now, you're probably going to wonder, why do you need work boots? Well, it's pretty obvious. But it's interesting because some people didn't bring work boots because there's different opportunities throughout the whole eight days you get. I was blessed to bring boots. Anyway, I got horrible blisters. But either way, getting back to the baggage claim, that is where I got to meet wonderful brothers in Christ. We were able to meet with um, with Steve. And he has an awesome son named Christopher Duffley. He is on YouTube and he is an amazing singer. He, he sang, I can only imagine. And I was moved to tears. And you know what? Chris, Steve is a huge blessing to Eight Days of Hope. And I was able to meet with him. And a matter of fact, we were able to stay at his Airbnb through this whole week. And it was another awesome opportunity because we were able to minister with each other. We were able to grow with each other. And I think about it, and it's interesting how God, you see how God works. You know, when I think about it, I think how amazing is it for God to place a certain amount of people in your life. You land at a certain location you've never been to, which I've never been to Fort Myers, Florida. I've never driven to Fort Myers, actually. I've been to Orlando, I've been to Miami, I've been to Tampa, but I've never actually been at Fort Myers. 
to this wonderful organization, but you don't know what really is all about because you know what, like the motto, don't anticipate, but participate. And not only that, but you're meeting and you, you get to meet another wonderful Christ, a brother in Christ. And this is the awesome part about reuniting people, being bold in your faith, you know, being bold in your actions, being bold in asking, going up to that individual saying, are you with eight days of hope? And or and then afterwards, trying to build that really fast connection with them by giving a crash course, a three minute uh, testimony. And the cool thing is, I highly recommend, you know, if you're ever going to travel with a Christian organization or Christian group, I highly recommend sitting down, either if you have to write an outline or a piece of paper or maybe type it on a computer, write a three minute testimony. Or maybe a, a three-minute or less testimony. The purpose of that is because you want to break the ice and you want to build a quick relationship enough to uh, make sure that they're comfortable and you're comfortable and vice versa. And when you have that, it's like laying down cement. You're laying down so by you speaking and by you growing up, trying to grow a quick relationship, you're trying to build a foundation. And right away, after you're trying to build a foundation, you are then trying to pour the cement and the cement is a three-minute testimony. And through over time, you that cement dries. So you already have that concrete relationship with each other. Now, it's up to both of you guys to build that house together as a team. That's how I think of Eight Days of Hope. And it is an awesome way of thinking. it. And when I was with these wonderful group of guys, throughout the whole week, we spent the time fellowshipping with each other. We spent the time growing and I learned a lot about myself that I've never learned before. I learned a lot about my faith that I've never learned before. It's interesting because while we worked hard hours, while we worked, grew in hot heat, we we were able to go home at the end of the day, sit around the patio and stick our feet in water and laugh along and build a relationship. How awesome is that? And we were also able to pray as a strong group of guys. And then we built a relationship, a bond that's hard to hard to break. And I understand why one of the keynote speakers stated that eight days of hope is like a family reunion. I finally understand that now because... When we gather around for another, an opportunity to build, for instance, you are more than welcome to go on 8daysofhope.com to uh, sign up for uh, going to Buffalo, New York in July to volunteer and to meet these wonderful people. And for me, it's like meeting with family again because they all go to the same place. And we had people from 44 different states coming down and even from Canada that came down to Fort Myers to build. 105 or 102 houses or 102 to 105. It's got to be pretty close. Last time I checked, it was 105. And we would, for me, next time, it would be saying, I can't wait to see my family. And that's why it's called a reunion. But with Andy, and it was funny because there were Andy and Andrew, and it was easier to call one Andy and another Andrew. And there was Jim. And now that, but there was Steve. These were all a great group of guys. 
that I was I'm probably gonna be mentored by and I want to be mentored by during that during this past week. And these are the kind of friends that I recommend and I keep on telling uh, you, the listeners, to give. Because when you find a great group of friends, it doesn't matter what states you live. It doesn't matter how far the distance is. When you are brothers in Christ, when you both know who Jesus is, when you both know that you're going to see each other one day in paradise, it is you're just only passing by. And when you guys see each other, it's like you've never left before. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Anyway, they are from New Hampshire, and I'm from uh, in the Midwest. That's still not going to break us apart. Because the cool thing is that you get to contact them, and you get to meet and fellowship with them each and every single day if you wanted to. And I was able to build this communication with them. But the worst part about the Eight Days of Hope is leaving. That is the worst part, because you're leaving family. You're leaving friends that you've made because you guys have worked with each other. You guys built a relationship with each other, and that is when time flies. But that is also a time when you get to network with each other. That is a time when you get to say, hey, if you need help, just give me a holler. I'll fly or I'll drive out East Coast. And then I get to maybe hopefully sightsee of what uh, this side of the United States is. Or another opportunity is I'll see you in Buffalo. Or I'll also see you at the next uh, event that Eight Days of Hope does. And make sure let's stay in touch. But another part is, is that before we left, we were able to sit down and pray. We were able to pray at dinner. And we prayed that we would stay in touch and we prayed that uh, to protect ourselves and to find a healthy accountability group and also to revive ourselves. Because so many of us get lost of, of life because life can, be in, life can be scary for many of us. Life can be entrapped. Life can be hectic. But when we stop and take a certain amount of days and we serve others like it states in the Bible, it does something to you. It ruffles up, it's a good ruffling up of your faith. Because you look at what the people have, how they have nothing, and now they have something. And it's your own doing. And God provided you the materials, God provided you to travel down to change another person's life. And when you do that around with your family, when you do that with your new friends, there's something about that where you get to rejoice with each other. You get to fellowship and you get to glorify God as one. And so that's why I loved this episode called The Baggage Claim. Because that is where friendships start for many of us, especially if you go on Eight Days of Hope trip. Now, of course, each and every single story is different. And I was able to gather around, and this will be probably in the later episodes of what actually was involved in, what we actually did, what I did, and how what I was able to impact and help out in the community. But the baggage claim, I was so blessed to go up to a, a random guy. His name now is Andy. And the Bruce Springsteen's sweatshirt and ask, are you part of Eight Days of Hope? 
That was the best question I think I've ever asked so far in my life because it changed my life and it rocked my faith and also matured my faith because I found out after all, I was pretty immature in my walk and this only solidified it and matured like we all need in our everyday walk. Well, I hope you enjoy and remember to take to take an opportunity to follow and like 8 Days of Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check them out. And don't forget to maybe consider volunteering with them. Now you can volunteer with them in three days or you can volunteer with them a day. But any time you spend with this wonderful organization, you might make, you will make lifelong friends. Well, with this in mind, remember to keep it saucy. Bye. You just heard an episode of The Sash Report, a podcast on Spotify, iHeart, and anywhere you hear a podcast. Remember, guys, hit that like and follow button. See you next time, and keep it saucy.